Welcome to Pondering with Peg, Episode 6. I am blessed to have Conrad Fulmer, author of Death by the Potter's Wheel, join me. Welcome, Conrad. Hi, Peg. Uh, Conrad uh, and I met when Conrad offered a class at the local high school for the adults night school. It's called The Sacred Journey. Um, It's really a great class. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But Conrad has written this book, and um, it's really a must-read if you're a seeker. You know, everyone listening should really buy the book and uh, read it. It's excellent. So, Conrad, would you give our listeners an overview of the book? Yes. Um, we have to go back 50 years. I'm, I'm an old guy, uh, 72, and uh, back 50 years ago when I was... Uh, 22, uh, my uh, aunt uh, became suddenly, with with no preparation, became a mystical channel. And I was at the center point of it in that the message that came through, and I'll give more detail about that uh, during this podcast, uh, was intended for me. And it was a call to open my life to a more spiritual path. Uh, Over the course of those 50 years, my aunt, my soulmate, uh, and I spent uh, many hours together uh, sharing uh, as many as a thousand communications that came through over that time period from uh, the sublime realm Uh, very highest sources in the spiritual realm uh, for me, for uh, tens of other people in this area, sometimes total strangers. Uh, My life was 180 degree turned around uh, from being uh, depressed, unclear, not really knowing what I was going to do or why I wasn't particularly happy. And then all of a sudden, in that one moment, when I was given this initial message, uh, November 12th, 1966, uh, my life took a complete turn uh, for the better. And during the course of that 50 years, uh, I was blessed uh, greatly uh, with uh, teachings along with uh, a number of other people. Three spiritual groups during that time profited from direct communication uh, with spirit guides. And uh, my aunt and I uh, grew closer and closer. So I decided three times over this period that I had to write the book. And uh, I just had to share the joy and the, the, the just overwhelming feeling of love and wisdom that was shed upon me and others with the rest of the world. And so back in the 1970s, I started writing the book, and as the universe would have it, um, uh, it just stopped. 
and it was like I couldn't write anymore and I realized uh, I guess this is not the time so I put the book hard copy away uh, back in the 90s I picked it up again and tried again and gave it my all for several weeks uh, this time I had a computer and that was exciting except I had a computer crash and lost everything with only a few pages of hard copy and while that was upsetting as, as uh, those of you listening uh, uh, can associate um, again I thought uh oh the universe is saying it's not time and then Aunt Jen passed on in 2003 and um, I just went on hold for a while and it wasn't until August of 2015 that my wife came up from uh, straightening out in the basement with a big smile on her face um, in a dusty box in which uh, she found the hard copies of pr the two previous uh, authoring attempts and a little switch went off inside of me and I just knew uh, it was time to write the book, to share the book, and within a month and a half I had a 250 page manuscript and I know I had help putting that together. Uh, and I'm, I'm pleased and I've written it really to bring testimony to how greatly all of us are loved, how greatly the sublime realm wants to guide and help us and is available if only we open up and accept that. Uh, so this was a story of a beautiful woman uh, and someone totally committed to a spiritual life who affected uh, the lives of many and I de definitely wanted to tell that story. There are so many really great sections you know where it's so interesting to me how she started out um, where you know it just came they came to her and started working with her and she started out more writing the messages correct and then later on was it years later that it became more of a verb? They came through her verbally? Uh, initially, and again, she had no experience whatsoever in the uh, psychic or mystic realm. She had highly pretentious and very symbolic and clear dreams um, over time. But that was her only, uh, her only strength in that area. Uh, so when this first happened and uh, on a Sunday morning she was placed in an altered state with a monk-like figure appearing next to her in the kitchen uh, asking her to take dictation, uh, she, having been trained as a secretarial uh, a secretarial with secretarial skills, uh, she just picked up that tablet and started writing as she was trained right. to do, but she was in an altered state and uh, there was physically uh, a spiritual form there 
dress like a monk, uh, dictating to her, and she wrote it down, including a drawing which came with the first drawing, uh, first message, um, and then she just put it aside, and uh, her consciousness was kind of returned to normal, and she didn't even recognize that she had written something. That was the first experience. Over the course of the next several months uh, to a half a year, um, there was a repeat of a physical form that dictated, but then she was conscious completely. That first time she had to be put into right. an altered state, otherwise she would have flipped out, I right. think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, over time, the, um, the physical manifestation disappeared but she heard the voice dictating, and she said over time the voice came closer and closer to her ear. It was almost like they were whispering right in her ear, her ear though she could not see them. Uh, and then it became part of her inside, where the voice was coming to her uh, internally, and she would continue to write. At some point there was a shift and I happened to be there at that time I, because I was so close to all of this it, uh, I feel humbled and blessed um, uh, one particular night uh, Aunt Jen was writing a message and then she stopped and she looked at me and she said they, the spirit guides um want to ask you a question and I was a little in awe <laughs> to say the least and they asked me if I could uh, create a coat what color would it be and I, I was nervous. <laughs> I'm here I am right. now in a position <laughs> of talking with a discarnate through Aunt Jen. And I responded. Um, clearly now I regret what I said, but I, I was nowhere in my own development and right. didn't know enough to think about color symbolism and such. So I said, oh, a black coat. And they hesitated, and then they spoke to me and said, well, that is not a color we would have chosen for you, but tell us why you chose black. And I said, well, it's like it's a mystery, and it's, you know, ah, they said, then we will accept that response <laughs> because of the mystery that we are encloaked in spiritually. Right. And so that was like the very first oral exchange and I'm getting goosebumps right now right. just remembering that um, and that was the beginning and um, over the years the three different spiritual groups that convened and uh, met with Aunt Jen and the guides uh, for years um, they started at those meetings coming through dictating silently to Aunt Jen for her to write and then started engaging all of us in question-answer dialogue so it it initially was private for her where she would just write from a figure 
to just the voice to just an internal hearing right. and knowing uh, and then she could see them and communicate with them and then eventually later on in the later years uh, we would be at a spiritual meeting they would take her off to another part of the universe to to commune with her while they spoke through her body right. to us and she was usually very conscious of everything that uh, happened during that time so there was a progression right yes yeah I, well I, thank god I yeah mean, <laughs> i'm sure you know they just were doing it so she could get used to it all but she um i don't think the listeners get until they read the book but you can enlighten them a little bit when you say spirit guides we're not talking random spirits <laughs> mm-hmm. that she correct was channeling she correct. was channeling some very high level absolutely spirit. Uh, thanks for that uh, opportunity to clarify um, originally that first night the first message uh, that actually came through Sunday morning the uh, 12th of November 1966 was um, uh, previewed uh, she woke up that morning and sensed there was something a presence in the room and turned around and saw the monk figure um, behind the headboard of her bed um, and very real tangible not the this the spooky uh, ethereal uh, quote ghost-like form and he gave her direction um, and then disappeared uh, went downstairs and reappeared in the kitchen where he asked her to take dictation and he was dressed as a monk with the hood over his face obscuring his face and it was not until Uh, actually a year or so later that he revealed to her that uh, he in fact was Jesus and Jesus communicated uh, with uh, Aunt Jen very often and frequently uh, communicated with us as members of her spiritual group our chief uh, our chief spirit guide teacher Uh, was known by many names and uh, was brilliant and humorous and instructive and challenging Uh, and for most of the spiritual meetings he it was his voice and his presence that directed us and taught us Uh, he was known by the name W and he identified himself as Aunt Jen's um, guardian angel, my guardian angel, and my mother's guardian angel. Um, and But he gave each of us a different name as a guardian angel. In the meetings, he was W. And it wasn't until a couple of years before Aunt Jen passed away that he revealed his identity as... Lord Michael, the uh, Archangel, and uh, we could not have been more blessed uh, 
with a better uh, teacher. Uh, during that time, we were also visited by um, lords of the universe, uh, saints, uh, and uh, very high sources, literally from other universes. Right. Um, but in all cases, everything was loving, uh, highly spiritual, um, nothing down to earth like, oh, you ought to invest in that stock or, you know, <laughs> right. uh, oh, yeah, you'll get your job. You know, don't worry about it. Not that. It was high level. Uh, later, W uh, said to us uh, that he is personally responsible around the world uh, running many groups similar to uh, our group. He said, however, uh, I want you to know that what we're doing with your group is relatively new. There are two different types of spiritual teaching groups. Uh, one of them is what they call what he called a technical group where uh, people were taught how the universe began and all the hierarchies and the technical details of how the universe came to be how it functions the interrelationship of powers and such um, and he said that is not what we're doing with your group your group is called an inner travel group. Ultimately, uh, this is what we as all uh, travelers, every one of us as humans, uh, needs to do to go within, as they kept telling us, to discover our link, our very real connection to our soul and to the whole sublime realm and what he taught us was to help us go within and draw that connection um, and I wanted to say something else about that and I lost my train of thought I'm sorry oh, it will come back <laughs> it will but uh, high level to to reinforce what you had said and thanks for making that point yeah when I when I read the book I thought wow from your perspective, like being there to hear it, to be involved in it, like what a true blessing. Oh. And what a, like such a great spiritual experience, just truly blessed. Like words can't even say how wonderful that is, Yes, you know, to have been a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing her journey and being a part of that but also it's all part of your life too your that's, journey that's and, true yeah. and being soulmates we shared we mm -hmm. shared that path right uh, though she is much farther along in progression uh than i am I've, I've frequently seen myself as the uh what what must have appeared as oh this poor soul he's been <laughs> dragging along for lifetime after a lifetime he needs a shot let's give him something you know and uh, that's kind of how I felt, like a child. And W uh, treated me lovingly, nurturingly, as though I were a, tri a child. And 
uh, as something I say in the book, um, for a period of a year, he sent me written messages through Aunt Jen. I was at Bucknell University doing grad work, and every week I would get uh, a written message uh, from Aunt Jen through the mail uh, from W. And initially it was funny and engaging and uh, whimsical, mm -hmm. but got me to think. And then over, if you could, if you, the reader, could sit down, the listener, could sit down and actually read through that small collection of messages, you would see extraordinary artfulness of teaching and guiding, step scaffolding step by step, bringing me from uh, the child that I was to someone a little more developed <laughs> by the end of it. Right, and I think a lot of uh, people who think about um, the angels, the archangels, Jesus, I think they, they, they see them as, at least this is what how I think, others think, mm -hmm. that they're very serious and it's all very proper and um, it's not very light, but when you do experience them, it's extremely light and joyful. And when I have had any experiences with uh, with the angels, they're very humorous, mm -hmm. very humorous. Like they deal with me. I have learned through my life to deal with a lot of negativity and just hard things with humor you know I think that's a gift we have you know that God has given us to deal yes. with things but they are very humorous and I think wow this is just so fantastic truly. to actually get that view of them as mm -hmm. how they truly are truly yeah and and though we had W an archangel Michael um, doing most of our instruction we frequently had visitations from the Great White Brotherhood, and let me explain uh, that distinction, um, which underscores the, the humor and the understanding and the connection. Um, they made it clear early on that humans do not become angels. That is not our progression. We are all, all of us, everybody, is a spiritual being on a human journey, not a human on a spiritual journey. And the many of our churches would have us believe that we are uh, floundering, sinful, stumbling creatures who are uh, groveling and eventually someday uh, will aspire and earn our way to a heavenly state. Uh, that is very far from the truth. We are all spiritual beings on a human journey and the members of the Great White Brotherhood uh, are a 
highly evolved, perfected uh, set of those who have completed the reincarnation journey of evolution and involution. And we were told those who have gone through the many lifetimes of self-perfection and learning reach that end point where they are given a choice to either meld their personality, soul, into the Godhead or to dedicate themselves to helping mankind progress along the many lifetimes uh, that uh, lie ahead of them. And our guides, the Great White Brotherhood, have done that. And so they know what this journey is like. Right. They've lived it. They've conquered it. They they understand it. And it is with humor. And it is with grace. And it is with comfort uh, and support that they have taught us. Not the serious uh, religious uh, right. uh, view that many of us have. And... Uh reading and learning about the Great White Brotherhood, uh, just for the listeners, so you know, uh, something that they've, the message that always comes to me is, uh, when you hear the Great White Brotherhood, you may not understand that, uh, first, they're not all white, <laughs> and they're not all men. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. The White Brotherhood is the white light, I believe. Yes. It's God's light, and some people don't, when they hear that term, they think, "Oh, wait a minute! What are we? You know, what is that reference?" Hmm. But they are really the ascended, masters. the ascended masters, right. exactly. You know, and there are so many that are there. They're always there to help and guide us. Yes, and with humor, yes, with as humor. well as mm-hmm. a serious wisdom and uh, right. direction, but never telling us what to do. Just right. asking us to problem solve. Uh, with a bigger picture in yeah. mind. Yeah, anytime I've asked uh, questions, ones that I repeatedly ask, and I, it's funny because I've seen, uh, <laughs> I see them uh, when I repeatedly ask the same question, I see them with uh, one of those big Nerf bats. <laughs> and they're like knocking me on the head. <laughs> and they tell me, you already know. Stop asking. <laughs> yeah. You know what to do. Uh-huh. Stop asking me. Yeah. And they're that's funny. funny. You never told me that. No, before. but that's what they do. Like yeah. I see mm-hmm. that, and I see them going like you know, banging me on the head with it, <laughs> and and kind of going, "It's enough. Stop asking the same question. <laughs> we, you know what you have to do, or you yeah. already know the answer. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. here to help you and guide you, but mm-hmm. you know what to do. <laughs> so I do, I do love the humor. Yeah. Um, and when I, after I read the book, I was, I, I just can't even tell you, the book was such a big part of my spiritual journey because when I started to read it and uh, just the messages in it, you know, you, you, you start thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I thought or that's what I got or you're so excited um, as you know, Aunt Jen, as the messages come through and the stories, and uh, I just, she just, her life taught me this lesson, and I'm sorry I'm kind of stumbling, because 
I always thought, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what am I going to do to make this life worthwhile? Or what do I have to do? Or what does God want me to do? And I think we get this thought that it has to involve being well known or it has to involve some kind of fame or some kind of, you know, you need fortune to do mm -hmm. it, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I read this book, I thought, Oh, Aunt Jen, you taught me the greatest lesson. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was a woman who was very talented, but who was a wife and a mother. Sure. And who answered God's call. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't on Oprah, and she wasn't, you know, on talk shows, and she just answered God's call and did what was asked of her. Exactly. And she impacted so many lives mm -hmm. and still is through this book, through your class. You know, you have continued her legacy. Which for us. I, yeah. I have humbly tried to do mm -hmm. uh, in the class that we uh, have had at the Haverford Township Adult School with uh, a group of uh, marvelous people. And we'll talk more about the course mm -hmm. uh, a little bit later. Uh, I, I'm just so overwhelmed at the joyousness uh, of this collection of people who came together because of the message. And most of them had read the book or were in the midst of reading the book. And they believed, rightfully, that if they came together in this class, they could open up and speak uh, without fear of criticism or ridicule of the inner beliefs that they had and share their paranormal activities uh, and experiences and beliefs. And it, it has become so solid that though the semester ended, we continue to meet. No, we, we, and, no one wanted the class to end. Right, exactly. And then as soon, you know, we met after the class a few times and then we all signed up again yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we didn't want that to end and right. we had some additional people which was great they fit in they just were fitting right in mm -hmm. as well like they mm -hmm. were there for the same purpose sure. and I just crack up that all of us who have read the book when we talk we all will talk about Aunt Jen. Aunt Jen. She has more nieces and nephews right. than any <laughs> aunt I'm aware like, of. No one ever says Conrad's aunt or yeah. you know Jen from the book, or it's yeah. all just Aunt, Aunt Jen, Jen, and That's we all true. just feel that way. That's like true. Aunt Jen. And, and she went through an incredible development. Now, as the guides, as Lord Michael told us uh, shortly before she passed away, uh, she had been groomed for this role over the course of three intense lifetimes. That what appeared to us uh, as a common woman, a housewife, as you said, a mother uh, uh, didn't have much money, didn't have any great advantages, grew up on a farm, was a hardworking person. Um, she would not stand out as being one of these you know, great gurus right. <clears throat> by any stretch, a very down-to-earth uh, woman with a good sense of humor. And um, her life started to blossom that 50 years ago and all of a sudden 
everything came to light for her. So while all she really had prior to that first message was incredible dreams, uh, pretentious dreams, once the first message came and several years went through, she was given many psychic abilities, uh, other mystical abilities, uh, uh, was granted glimpses at pa of past lifetimes uh, wherever it would help someone. Right. Uh, she uh, was, was constantly in awe of the grandeur of the blessings and she would frequently cry in ecstasy over how how special a blessing this was uh, it doesn't take much for me to cry mm -hmm. as well uh, because I feel that and uh, I remember fairly early on uh, I spent so much time with Aunt Jen I think my mother got jealous her sister <laughs> <laughs> uh, I spent so much time with Aunt Jen and um, one day in particular, Aunt Jen and I were sitting at her kitchen table, uh, of course, talking about the messages, talking about the guides. And uh, her daughter, my cousin, uh, was plaguing me to go out in the backyard to uh, play badminton. And um, uh, so I reluctantly pulled away from this wonderful conversation with Aunt Jen and went out in the yard to play badminton. And uh, within about 15 minutes, uh, uh, I had an accident, and the, uh, the badminton racket recoiled off of a clothesline that I didn't realize was there as I was reaching back to hit the birdie. And I turned around to see what was happening, and it recoiled into my glasses, shattered the lens of my left glass sending glass into my eye and my cousin screamed and Aunt Jen and she took me to the doctor living in the same block and he cleaned out the eye and he said um, this is going to hurt <laughs> here are some drops it's going to take days but the swelling will go down the redness will go down but it's going to be uncomfortable for a while and so my cousin apologized, took off, and I was back at the kitchen table talking to Aunt Jen, very aware that with every blink of my eyelid, my eye was in pain. And all of the... Choking up, thinking about it. All of a sudden, I, I felt a stillness. And Aunt Jen stopped talking. And... I looked out of my peripheral vision and saw her index finger slowly moving toward my left eye. And the moment her finger touched my eyelid, I heard an internal voice say, Heal! And it was like a light switch. And I was. I threw away the drops. Mm -hmm. My eye wasn't red. There was no pain, no soreness, no evidence whatsoever. And the guides commented then later about healing and what a precious gift that is, but what a very, uh, how 
that the healer must be very careful with that gift and that they would help her with that. Mm-hmm. So there was a gift of healing, right. a, a gift of, of sight, a gift of um, a, a psychic gifts. Uh, she was, she attended Paris study, um, uh, which is still very much going strong at, mm-hmm. uh, what about 50, 60 years now? I think so. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and Jen took a bunch of courses there with like-minded souls and, and Jen was a common person, but everybody else in her classes knew she was very special. Right. And so one day they decided to gang up on her lovingly and they went to one of the women's, uh, one of the women's uh, homes, uh, and they all sat around in a circle and, um, uh, after tea and cake, uh, they all looked at Aunt Jen and said, okay, we planned this. You are now going to give each of us a reading. <laughs> and Aunt Jen said, oh, oh wait, no, I, I can't do that. Right. You know, what, I, what makes you think that I can do that? You know, I, I've never done a thing like that. She was ready to get up and leave because, right. um, again, she you know, this was not her... Right. Her forte, in her mind, she didn't have that ability at all until the uh, woman of the house said, here are my keys. And in psychometry, uh, of course, when you get something that's meaningful to another person, you feel their vibration, presumably, as psychics would describe it. And the moment she had the keys in her hand, she started telling that woman in great detail about a home, a second home this woman had in North Carolina and how she was dealing with uh, a large tree that had fallen and, and, you know, injured the the roof and that she was struggling with how to get it repaired and which company to go with and that she should know that all will be well and to go with the company that she was dealing with. And and she stopped and, and, and Jen told me later, like, where did all that come from? <laughs> I like I, I can't do that. And then one by one, each of the nine women had the same experience where she told another about uh, her two sons who were enrolled in a private school, residential school. They were not doing well academically. They really needed uh, her help. Mm-hmm. Now she didn't know the woman had twins. She didn't know the, yeah. the the twins were in a private school. She didn't know any of that. But one by one, she gave what the group recorded as completely accurate information. So, um, little by little, over the course of time, extra gifts and extra capabilities uh, expanded Aunt Jen's life but never changed the humbleness Mm -hmm. and the complete love um, and selfless love uh, for for God and the spiritual realm. A very humble woman, and everyone who knew her and met her said, wow, she's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, because she wasn't doing it to... Uh, show off or make money or she never took a penny for not, any reading or yeah it wasn't about that it was mm-hmm. just about what she was doing and what she needed to do in this lifetime exactly yeah. and 
it the guides interestingly the guides described because she and I were together so often the guides described the two of us as uh she was the mix master of mm-hmm. uh, uh and I was the power switch and so that when we get together I would ask a question which would be like turning the power on and mm-hmm. she would start mixing and the guides would come through to provide uh guidance and answers and um it 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 was just natural it it mm-hmm. became more real than the quote real world which right. we know is not the real world yeah, <laughs> but and, and as you two at learned so much from the guides you realized how many lifetimes you had had yes together True. in different like different relationships to each other Correct. but that you had had those lives and absolutely mm-hmm. i mean we were both hanged <clears throat> at the gallows together in <laughs> paris right. uh <laughs> both being thieves uh-huh. and and uh, i think it's interesting once one gets into the background and understanding of our sacred journeys uh, of many 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 lifetimes to spiritualize the material world which is our goal uh the more you get into it and learn about it and we were certainly taught about it uh the more you realize there's nothing bad there's nothing sinful mm-hmm. there's nothing it's not a good bad as we've been taught it's we must as spiritual beings on a human journey learn every facet everything there is and once we have experienced as the great white brotherhood has mm-hmm. uh once we experience everything we can spiritualize it and grow on and so sometimes we are the protagonist in this play and sometimes we're the antagonist mm-hmm. sometimes we're the wealthy baron and the king and sometimes we're this homeless peasant it's all the same it's all good right. it's all important and uh once we know that um it brings meaning to life and w lord michael uh said to us frequently I want you to think about this. We all frequently wish we were someone else. We frequently wish, "Oh, gee, if I only had her looks, mm-hmm. or if I only had his strength, if I only had his position, her money, uh, you know, think of what I could do." And his his quote that that I use as a mantra uh is you are where you are because that's where you're supposed to be doing what you're doing mm-hmm. because that's what you're supposed to be doing in this lifetime and i know you personally peggy have uh the uh, ability uh, to see between lives um and you re- happen to remember setting goals for this mm-hmm. lifetime right and uh you know most of us would say hey if i had that opportunity i would plan to be a you know whatever and and that's not it we, we need to experience everything and we're right. guided to 
create a lifetime, in fact, choosing parents, choosing nationalities, choosing uh, race, choosing socioeconomic uh, conditions, of everything mm -hmm. that will help us individually to be the most potentially successful in this mission. Right. And it's, we are where we are because that's where we're supposed to be. Right, and people will say, well, you know, if you can choose, why would someone choose to be handicapped? Why would someone exactly. choose to be uh, someone who's been abused or murdered yes. or, you know, any anything like that? Or be an abuser or be someone that we consider dark but who really is, we're all there to play a role. Exactly. But when you are in the in the choosing time, you're not human. You're back to your spiritual being. Mm -hmm. Like you're, it's your spiritual being that's connected to God. Correct. So you're choosing, you know, hey, yeah, I think I'll do that this time. You know, mm -hmm. I need to learn that lesson. I'll go right. in. Mm -hmm. And for us, it seems like, wow, why would you want a whole lifetime of that? But at that point, that lifetime to our spiritual, to our soul, is just a blip. Exactly. So, Being eternal as we are, yeah. I mean, there and is no time right. except in this earthly realm because it helps us to maintain our sanity. Mm -hmm. uh, we're three-dimensional creatures, not four-dimensional creatures, and the universe is without time, but we couldn't survive without right. The, the day, the for, night, right. the time. What we're doing here. Exactly. Yeah. But. And, yeah, and I just I just think, you know, that's once you realize that people have chosen these lives, it, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be compassionate or it shouldn't be like, oh, well, they chose that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, why should I care about mm -hmm. them? They're doing it to help us with our compassion. Frequently. And you you mentioned, you know, why would anyone choose to be handicapped? Why would anyone choose to be murdered? Why mm -hmm. would anyone choose to be raped? Why mm -hmm. would, you know, and um, an interesting episode I don't think I will ever forget. Um, uh, Aunt Jen was staying with uh, us, my wife and, and, and me. Um, uh, she had a glaucoma and cataract surgery on 9-10-01, the day before the 9-11 mm -hmm. Uh, episode and uh, I had to take her back to Will's Eye Hospital uh, <clears throat> on the morning of 9-11 and we had not turned on the news and so I drove from Havertown to Center City Philly um, uh, for, uh, to the hospital and as we entered the lobby a nurse was screaming and running down the hall saying, they got the other tower, they got the other tower. And we had no idea what had been going on. And there was a cluster of people uh, in the lobby around a television. And we joined them to see the horror. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that night, after returning from her examination, uh, she was laying on our sofa recuperating. And, of course, the television was on nonstop with co coverage of, of these horrible events. And she said it, it tearfully to God, why? What, what is to be gained from something like this? 
why would 3,000 souls be killed in this senseless way? What, what can be gained from this? And W came through right away, and it was a conversation back and forth. I didn't have a tape recorder. I didn't mm -hmm. have paper and pencil. It was like a 45-minute conversation. And he said, remember that everyone plans their lifetime before they incarnate. They're given help, but your soul is eternal. Your soul is a spiritual, loving creation, and it chooses experiences that you need or experiences to settle some karmic issues from the past. And he said every one of those 3,000 souls who were sacrificed on that day chose in advance to do that. Why? Because, and those of us who were there at 9-11 uh, remember how in the shadow of that uh, there was an, a positive uprising of energy across the country, of, of nationality, of, 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 of coming together in support, of, of loving and caring, and that was the purpose they chose to do that while burning off some karma of their own because of that sacrifice. But when we start to look at life that way, about all the little details of where we are and why we're doing what we're doing and what purpose does it have, it has a purpose mm -hmm. because we chose it. And he went on to talk about, at that that 45-minute conversation we had, uh, he said, look, let me give you a metaphor for reincarnation uh, because it all has purpose. And he said, imagine that you are a shrub in this huge, beautiful orchard. The gardener is the finest you could ever find. And he loves and nurtures and cares for every single shrub in his vast garden. And think of yourself, your soul, as being the shrub. That is your soul. The whole shrub is you. And now look at that shrub, and you'll see buds all around the shrub spaced around in a way that basically one bud really can't see another bud on the same shrub but you're all systemically connected but each of those buds are facets of the larger soul and it's those buds that incarnate to gather information to spiritualize the material world to experience everything they possibly can and so they're going out frequently simultaneously in different eras and different times different uh, uh, different planets even uh, though he didn't go into that um, and whatever they experienced they brought back to nurture or share 
with the larger shrub that is us. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, it's true that some people bring back uh, some uh, negative experiences and that might sap energy from the shrub. Uh, others bring back beautiful experiences that help the shrub to grow. But all of that together nurtures who you are. And so that one day after many of those incarnations that you are helped to do and guided uh, through, he said, your shrub will blossom, bear fruit, and that fruit will be the harvest to the great gardener. Mm-hmm. And that is the cycle. Uh, then he later went into greater detail about evolution and involution. I won't go into that now. But uh, that shrub metaphor just says so much to me uh, about why we're here. And um, to accept where we are instead of spending our time wishing we were somebody else or somewhere else or in different circumstances, we chose this mm-hmm. because it is our purpose. And um, that's a beautiful lesson to learn, I think. It is. And when you've learned it, life looks very different. Oh, ho, ho, ho. absolutely, Peg. Yeah. You, you can detach and experience it and it's no longer not that you don't have bad days or that things don't hurt or you don't have suffering but you understand it Mm -hmm. so it doesn't affect you the way it affects others it's true you know it's true you're kind of have a deep a deeper joy even through the hard times Mm -hmm. that joy remains that is very true very true Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you learn to accept more. Yeah. Uh, And you know things will be better, and mm -hmm. you'll be able to deal with it, and it's just part of your journey. And and you find yourself Mm -hmm. asking the important question, what am I supposed to learn from this? Exactly. (laughs) And that's how you kind of know when people have gotten to that stage. Yes. Because they're the ones who say that. That's right. I know there's a lesson in this for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Instead of, why me? Sure. This shouldn't happen to me. It didn't happen to them. Why does it happen Mm -hmm. to me? Instead, you know, you just get the... And and you mentioned handicapped earlier, and I, uh, uh, I meant to say something, but it's pertinent now. Um, frequently, um, children who come in as, um, mentally handicapped, physically handicapped, uh, uh, emotionally, uh, injured, do so to teach the parents mm-hmm. they're there as teacher, not as helpless right. children. Uh, they are there to help their parents learn to learn love and learn patience and learn empathy. And um, it, everything has meaning. And that's the beauty of all of this. Right. And I had gotten one time I was sitting on the beach just quiet. And the, I, 
I started thinking about that, you know, like coming in and how everyone has comes in differently. And I thought, I think I saw some, maybe I saw a family on the beach who had a child that was disabled. That might mm -hmm. have been what triggered it. And I got the message that they're here because obviously they chose it and they are teaching us a lesson. Mm -hmm. And that if we learn the lesson that they're teaching us, they're keeping us from ever having to come in like that. Interesting. That's that's very interesting. Where if you understand it and you're compassionate mm -hmm. and you understand what a great purpose they have. Yes. Then they are giving you the gift of learning the lesson without having to come in like that. That's that's you know? certainly a beautiful way of of describing that. Yeah. Beautiful. Everything takes on new meaning. Everything oh. takes on a new depth. It's it's a new world, right. and um, uh, it's it's like the veil is lifted to a degree, or one of the veils right. is lifted, and you see things that you never knew uh, how to explain. Right. And uh, the class has it's really a group now, not just a class. Right. It's, it's a spiritual group. It is. We can sit for hours, and we love it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could sit, it could be three hours go by, and someone will say, what time is it? Yeah. Oh, you know, we start at 7, it's now 10, and nobody wants to leave. Yeah. It was just, a, oh, I wonder what time it is. Yeah, right. You know, and then it's, oh, is it 10 already? Well, I, I have to laugh, because I'm not taking much credit for that. It's... It's okay. I was the one who sponsored the class, and people read the book. But I'm not there as a teacher. I'm there as a facilitator, and I have learned a lot from the students who have come. Some of them with no experiences that they're aware of, psychic, right. mystical, whatever. But your purpose, and it was interesting because you had said this tonight, and I. It really just fits with how you are with us. How you were with Aunt Jen, where you were the one to push the button to mm -hmm. open it. Yeah. That's what you've done for all of us. Mm. People come in and you give them this opportunity to open up and be free to just discuss whatever they feel they want to. Uh, you know, their spiritual experiences or some of the paranormal experiences sure. that people have. Um, and because you have pushed that button in a very gentle way and allowed them to open, I mean, all of us have just, we were looking for this, but we it we opened up so quickly. I mean, oh, you saw that. It was remarkable. Yeah, and even <laughs> the newer people, you know, um, came in the second class, and the first night just opened up yeah. and, and ran with it yes. and have just continued to bloom. And I've that. heard from so many of them uh, who said, I couldn't even share this stuff with my husband. Right. He tells me I'm crazy. There isn't anyone I can talk to. Mm -hmm. And here in this room, there are 15, 16 of us. Right. And nobody is judging anybody. Nobody is laughing at us. Nobody is ridiculing, putting us down. It's like we're free to be ourselves and share all this pent-up 
mystery right. uh, that we've suppressed over time, and it just feels wonderful. And and as we went around the room, even like the first night and the, and the second class, you would everybody was just very normal looking. You know, we're all just yeah. normal people. Sure. And all of a sudden, the stories one by one that come out and. They, they give their story or what they've experienced. And we're all just in awe of Absolutely. everyone yes. in that class. Everyone. True. you know, And the ones who don't think they have anything to share, when they do share, don't realize how much they mm-hmm. had to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. It, it's, it's like a little miracle. And mm-hmm. I've returned every single Tuesday night from those classes mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife will ask, how did it go? And I'll say, it was another magical night. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I spoke for maybe 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> and and it just took off. And, and everyone is so joyous to be there. And I know the first semester, I, I was really concerned that this could all backfire. Because these are not things people commonly are able to talk about publicly. And even with friends and family. Uh, you need to find the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, here they were just opening up automatically. Uh, and I wasn't saying or doing anything that I was aware of, just allowing them to do that. And one by one, everyone seemed to accept. We had perfect attendance Mm -hmm. unlike i mean i ran the adult school for 12 years i mean i understand that over the course of a semester you start losing losing people until you end up with half what you started with not our class (laughs) uh and that first time around i scheduled it uh, from 7 to 8 30 Mm -hmm. thinking an hour and a half that's going to be enough and six nights and when we got to the end of that everyone said Oh, you got to make this longer. An hour and a half is not enough. And can't we get more nights than this? Well, because we never left at 8.30. You, no, frequently I mean, we were kicked out by the custodian at 10.30. They wanted to go home. <laughs> right. But, and you would feel, I would feel so energized. Like, I, I start work pretty early in the morning. You know, I'm usually at work between 7 and 7.30. But And you would think by 10.30 at night. You'd be exhausted. You know, I just want to go home. Sure, sure. And it's hard. it was hard to leave. And then I would come home and just feel so energized yeah. in such a positive way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so positive. That's, and, that's and you beautiful. sharing also the books that you share with us. Um, you know, your collection of books and mm-hmm. some were Aunt Jen's. Oh, yeah, many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the books that I took home... Um, was the channeling of Archangel or Angel Archangel Azrael? Yes, and it had Aunt Jen's name in it. And I started reading this book, and I thought, "Oh wow, this was meant for me." Mm-hmm. Everything in it felt like I knew it, or it was validating what I mm-hmm. thought or what I felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. So even through the literature you share with us, just there's just so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel so humble, you yeah. know, and, and like, I don't know what, I, I don't, you know, what am I going to do next time? I, I don't know. And, and I just have to learn to trust 
and say, these are a group of people who want to be there. Exactly. <laughs> and they have blossomed. I mean, we have such a collection of uh, the cross-section of the population. We had one gentleman who was a retired CEO of a multi-billion dollar corporation. One would never know that because mm -hmm. of the sweetness and the oh, care. What and a, humble. Humble. What a wonderful person. Uh, one of many children and had many children. Just a real human caring soul. Um, we have uh, a true mystic whose life just defies description. Uh, and she's been uh, told that this is her last lifetime, which is quite extraordinary. And um, she has shared in class some of her many mystical experiences from when she was five, six years old. And she's had several near-death experiences. She's uh, just on and on. And um, she has shared with me because I asked her to be a member of our Aunt Jen's spiritual right. group, though Aunt Jen is not there physically. Um, she is now, this woman, Kim, is now a member of that spiritual group. And, and uh, the energy that she shares is beautiful. Oh, it is. And it's so nice to talk to her. You know, I've I've talked to her quite a few times, and you know, we'll kind of be on the same. Like, I'll, we'll talk about something, and we'll kind of be on that same wavelength. And mm -hmm. when we're like that, I think to myself, okay, I'm doing okay then, because if she's on that wavelength, yeah, then I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting yeah. it. I'm starting. <laughs> right. I'm getting it. Right. You know, I'm I'm going in the right direction. Right. And we've had like I'm thinking of Gary, who, uh, as a young man. Uh, saw his deceased grandmother mm -hmm. descending the staircase and talking to right. him. And he never really wanted to tell anybody about that, but he blurted it out in class and brings it up often. And he like, always has such great experiences to share with us. Absolutely. And I have to say the first class, when he came in and sat down, I thought, he just doesn't look like somebody who would come. Like, e right. I wonder if he's like here for this or this is what he really. Mm -hmm. And when he started talking and sharing his experiences, I thought, oh, yeah, he's here for this. Yeah. <laughs> he always has something yeah. great to say. And we, I mean, everybody in that group, um, I can think of perhaps three people who claim they've never had any psychic or mystical gifts. Right at all but it's like they can't help themselves they have to be there because it's opening something in right. them and they're feeling something they've never felt before mm -hmm. and it's the joy and the beauty of the spiritual beings we are right and they come into the group which is fantastic because meeting people that are brand new and you're talking about all these topics mm -hmm. that some people you know you know, would think of as, you know, a cult. And, well, not a cult, but, you know, just off or, you know, are they all crazy? This whole group doesn't. And the newer people who come in, they just meld right in with yeah. no judgment. Correct. To any of us. Even Correct. if they say, well, I've never had that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear more. Mm -hmm. I want to know. Or what else have you had? Or I, I just love sitting and listening to 
Yeah. The experiences. It's and the time just. <laughs> it's 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 beautiful. <laughs> it it, really it is. truly is, and, and and I want to emphasize that though I'm the one sponsoring the class, I feel very much like just one of the group, and I'm learning along with everybody else, and and taking great joy in seeing other people's joy <laughs> right well before we end i did want to i did make some notes and i i just i i thought this was so interesting i i had read the book and i was going back over it and i was looking at the preface and the first paragraph and you write uh you are a seeker like me that assumption binds us together and allows us to share the remarkable story contained within the pages of this book it is my hope that in reading this true story, your sacred journey will be enriched as mine has been over the past 50 years. Mm. And I thought, it is such a beautiful way to begin this book, but it means so much more after taking the class. Because this is what you're doing. You are allowing the seekers to find each other. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> you know, we're coming in and you're... You're giving us the gift of being together and you listen to us and you've allowed us. I mean, I know there were nights that you had material that you really wanted to get to and, there, you know, we were all just. But it was more important to let people but you share. Let us share. Yeah. You know, you didn't say, all right, let's stop. I want mm -hmm. to do this first. Mm -hmm. It was, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to let them. Experience, you know, give their experience, tell their experience, be there for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for it's, that. It's That's... such a. I know that you always think that you, you don't have gifts, but you really do. You are our gift. Oh. So you know, I want to thank you uh, for bringing us together mm -hmm. to share our journey. Um, you and you certainly have answered God's call and mm -hmm. continue to live your purpose. And, uh, Thank you. I, I'm glad you came to share the book. It is really fabulous. If you're a seeker, even if you're not, read the book. <laughs> Get the book, Death by the Potter's Wheel. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Conrad, and hopefully in the future we can do this again. And there's a lot more territory <laughs> exactly. to cover, to say we the could least. Have but quite a series of podcasts. Yeah. Abs <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, uh, I would actually like to read a short quote to end with um, a quote by um, a, the American poet Robert Browning and it just says so much to me it's a quote that when I read it back in the 60s I typed it on my typewriter and that same 3x5 card is still at three desks later but right. still right there <laughs> And it just says so much to me about all of us. It's from Paracelsus. Uh, there is an inmost center in us all where truth abides in fullness and around wall upon wall the gross flesh hems it in this perfect clear perception which is truth. A baffling and perverting carnal mesh binds it and makes all error and to know 
rather consists in opening out a way whence the imprisoned splendor may escape than in effecting entry for a light supposed to be without. And I think that summarizes what the guides led us to know and feel. It's all about going within Mm -hmm. because that's where our holy connection is to the sublime realm, to our own soul. And we frequently have all the answers to all of our questions right there if we would only trust and go within and stop looking without. Right. Well, thank you, Conrad, for sharing. And remember, everyone, be the light. Thank you.